Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm here as your co-host with Jessica, or Jess, in our office, one of our new employees. Uh, Hello, Jess. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Min. Glad to be here. Yeah, day two. So, (laughs) straight in the mix. (laughs) Well, lucky I didn't make you do a podcast on day one. That's probably so so bad of me, wouldn't it? Thank you for coming on our podcast, Jess. I want to go through something we've never covered before in this uh, in this show, and that is the feasibility. We may have mentioned it once or twice in the past 110 episodes, I think, but we've never actually discussed it in great detail. And today, I want to just take you as a new person in the office here through this um, this document, which we often give to our clients, Jess. I mean, briefly, having looked at it the last day or two days, um, what are your thoughts on this on this this thing, this calculation, this feasibility, Jess? Uh, I think it would, just in terms of how much it's broken down in terms of different stages, not only in terms of the whole process of building SDA accommodation, but the actual sort of banking, lending side of things, I think it would answer a lot of questions that people might not have even thought to ask. So what do you think those questions that people have in their mind prior to even doing an SDA investment, do you think? Well, I think the first thing that you'd want to know is, I guess, you know, what's the total cost? What's the total return? The questions you might not think to ask until you get right into the mix, say, when consulting with someone like yourself is, okay, well, what are the potential additional costs I might not be thinking about? How might the ultimate costs be impacted by any delays in any of the stages? Uh, and how does all of that at the end of the day, impact that yield or return that I'm, I'm trying to achieve. Sure, sure. The last few years in the SDA property market or the NDS property market has been has seen a lot of lengthy delays occur around Australia because of land releases being delayed by councils, lack of builders having um, the right number of suppliers and workers to help them build the houses. So- I reckon four years ago, to build a house would have been six, seven months. That was normal, yes. In today's climate, we're looking at 12 months as an average. Yeah. Right? What are these costs that you mentioned? Well, what are they, do you think, that people don't realise? Well, I mean, you know, everyone's going to realise that there's certain costs when it comes to, you know, obviously purchasing the land, engaging the builder mm. uh, and everything like that, your standard solicitor fees, everything that you would associate purchasing a normal property. There's then obviously costs that you want to factor in beyond that in terms of those that might be specific to SDA or in addition, the essentially, I guess, holding costs. You know, you're once you obviously going through this feasibility and how you've set it out, it's it helps sort of clarify, okay, you've committed to the project, you've committed to the investment, what sort of outlays and 
well, holding costs, uh, am I going to be hit, potentially hit with, that will affect my bottom line at the end of it. Gotcha. The biggest cost that everyone is aware of in Australia is stamp duty, right? But unf- but luckily, in this scenario here of buying a house, buying a block of land to build a house, the stamp duty is very low. So the government, as in the federal government, or state government, sorry, as their incentive to help stimulate the economy and with um, with work, construction industry, they only have stamp duty on the land, not the total package. If you're buying an existing house, you'd be paying roughly 35 to 4% stamp duty on the entire purchase price. However, with house and land projects like this, uh, the cost is only on the land. So they're, they're normally around about four or five grand as an average across Australia. That's normally the biggest, traditionally the biggest cost for buying a property. In this case, no, not really. Number two, I reckon the biggest cost here is holding costs, isn't it? Yeah, I think going through the the feasibility and the way you've uh, set it out and how you'd put it to a client. So, Jess, what are the numbers for this fees? So our listeners can can hear your thought, your your feedback here. The, the total price and the breakdown of the prices of the land and build. Yeah. So if you you're looking here, uh, running this current. Uh, sample feasibility uh, spreadsheet. If you're looking at a nine hundred thousand dollar package, so investment of land of two hundred and fifty and a build of six hundred and fifty, you would think, okay, that's a nine hundred thousand dollar package. Um, there's going to be those additional costs that we talked about, but on top of those costs that we're expecting, the holding costs themselves are about forty two thousand dollars. Yeah. So just so our listeners know, you might buy a house, a house name package, but until until it the the loan for the land purchase is drawn down, which is in this case two fifty thousand, that's when the interest costs begin, right, Jess? Yeah. And then as you start building the house, it's normally five stage claim for the build. That's when the when they occur, the 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 repayments for the interest costs for construction loan starts increasing up slowly and slowly until the very end, where it's fully drawn down as an as a proper. It becomes a P and I. And actually, Jess, in this visa, I've got to mention to you. This is interest only for the holding for the build costs, holding costs. That's correct. As soon as it finishes, it goes P and I. Yes. So the numbers go higher than the, than five. They will, yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, the interest only cost for the construction phase here of eleven or twelve months is forty one thousand five hundred. That's interest only, which will revert to P and I after that, which is going to be higher. So the first month of payment is one four five two, month one after settlement mm-hmm. land. The last payment is five two five zero month twelve or so. Obviously, increasing because you've then progressively drawn down on the loan to its full yes. amount. So, Jess, what are the other little costs floating around this little spreadsheet as well? Uh, so, some of the other costs, uh, some of the other costs that you would find associated with this sort of project, you've got. Uh, I think. Uh, one thing that I didn't factor in or, or wouldn't have known about uh, being on day two is the provider costs yeah. that's associated uh, with the property. So um, I can see that there's a certain amount where the provider is engaged. So for an onboarding fee, so I see here, um, Min, we've got about 3300 on this uh, particular investment. And that will change with different providers. Yeah. yeah. And as well as procurement fee at the end when they actually are found, procured. That's correct. And so that will 
obviously form the provider costs will then form part of the ongoing costs of the tenanted property. I think as a rule of thumb, if, you, if you're around Australia looking to talk to different SCA providers to help you fill up and manage your house, assume a five grand engagement fee, rough number, and then assume 10 grand plus 10 grand per participant. So if you've got a four bedroom house with three bedrooms, then assume two participants only and 10 grand, 10 grand, right? Uh, if you've got three bedroom house, assume two participants, 10 grand, 10 grand. So whether it's an IL or FA or HPS participant, it's going to be 10 grand no matter what as a, as a round figure, okay? So that's my advice to you. Uh, depending on the different providers you choose will be different costs, but there will always be a cost, yeah. Moving on, um, what other costs do you incur? So do you see in this spreadsheet that should be mentioned as well? So you've got your landlord's insurance, obviously your home and contents, your rates, uh, and the furniture package as well, which I understand can which, vary. Which we haven't added in here yet. yet. Yeah, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, we mentioned that furniture package in here because it's you'd rather know about the possibility of that cost now than later on that completion. Yeah, and it may be ten or fifteen grand, but it's yeah. If if you want to win the business, which is get the participants in to your property first, it's going to be built, should be partially furnished. We're talking about. Dish, a washing machine, a dryer, a fridge, you know, they're, they're simple stuff. They're not, nothing massive there, Jess. So you can feel free to add that in if you want. Yeah. But um, those blue ones there, you want to talk about those blue ones, the blue cells there we mentioned earlier? Yes. So some of those figures, the additional costs uh, highlighted in blue there, we're talking about variations in terms of upgrades mm-hmm. and variations in terms of fire sprinklers as well. Yeah which aren't insignificant costs. Right. There's been a lot of talk in our podcast and also on the street, not on the street, but uh, gossip about SDA um, construction designs that fire sprinklers are coming through the SDA design scenery. And I think our listeners and our investors out there who are listening should incorporate these costs, variations, furniture pack, fire sprinklers into your feasibility because they will be relevant at some point in the future. Uh, don't ever, don't ever say you don't need fire sprinklers. Don't ever say you don't need white goods furniture, white goods pack. You, you got to need it because if participants are going from house to house with inspections and they see an empty house with nothing in it versus an, an empty house with some white goods, they'll choose the one with the white goods. Yeah, or oh. the bed and the TV in there. So definitely, it's just it's just marketing. But hey, it is what it is. So that's the council rates insurance. Placement fees, upgrades. That's pretty, that pretty much covers it, then, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So this nine hundred grand package now becomes how much now, Jess? We're looking at a little over one million and thirty six thousand, mm-hmm. and that is again, oh, not again, but one million and thirty six thousand, excluding a valuation shortfall. Oh, the, the the evil words. Get you there. Valuation shortfall. What what does this mean, Jess? So uh, the uh, shortfall uh, on valuation uh, happens at settlement. And by the and way, we're talking about a 900 grand package here, not a yeah, $1 million package. That's correct. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, on the 900 grand package on settlement, uh, if there is a valuation shortfall, that's going to affect your LVR and mm-hmm. it's going to affect what your bank's going to lend you. So that's something that needs to be considered given the increasing Build time as well, I'd imagine. If the market is going down, which we've seen the last year in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne, then a five percent shortfall valuation shortfall is normal. 
So five percent of nine hundred grand is how much? Forty five. Forty five. Yeah. So don't be surprised that you get a 40, 50 grand shortfall. Don't be surprised. And why is this topic relevant, Jess? Because 45 grand cash is 45 grand cash. Yeah. Plus everything else. Yeah, that's on top of all the other costs. So So we've we've just talked about total price package, 900 grand. Potential total cost is 1,036,000. Let's let's do the rough numbers here, Jess. So how much cash does one need here for this package? So we're talking about... 20% 20% deposit on 900 grand, which is 180. Yeah. Holding costs are 43. That's now 100 and 223. Mm-hmm. Procurement fees from the provider here is about 20 grand. Yeah. To 223 plus 40 is net. 223 plus 20 is 243. Yeah. Rates, law and insurance, other rates on the 230 grand. Mm-hmm. And the shortfall bail. Calling it 50. 50. Yeah. 280. Yeah. Plus your original valuation fee and bank loan fees as well. There's another six, seven grand there. Yeah. So you're two ninety, almost two ninety now. Yeah. I was gonna say close to three hundred. So you need three hundred grand cash just to do this nine hundred grand purchase, which really costs you a million and thirty six thousand as a total investment. Now let's jump over away from the sheet over to something else, which is the tenancy mix. Yes. So in this sheet, we have, for now, uh, being a three-bedroom house, which only has opportunities for HPS, FA, or IL participants, combinations of two types of tenants. Jess, do you want to read the um, the, the six scenarios here? Yeah, so with the six scenarios in this instance, uh, we've got uh, scenario one of HPS with two participants, scenario two of one HPS participant and one FA participant, uh, one uh, scenario three, HP, one HPS participant and one IL participant. Scenario four is just two FA participants. Scenario five, one FA participant, one IL participant. And scenario six, two IL participants. Right. So the incomes can range from how much to how much? Top to bottom? So we are looking at... Well, right, the two, two extremes, so how much? Uh, we're we're looking at potentially 114 grand is the maximum income is maximum income in scenario one, uh, down to scenario six. You're looking at uh, income of just about 72,000. Yeah, close to 73. So between 72 grand to 114 grand currently in today's numbers, prior to inflation next yes. month, and prior to this the price review in July 24, 23. Sorry. So given these numbers, the gross yield and net yields for, as you can see in the spreadsheet, Jess, there's the net and gross yields of the 900 grand purchase price, which is what most people do. Yes. But what we do, we should do, you should do, everyone, is work it out on your total cost of acquisition. So gross yield on the total cost of 1036000 or the net yield on the $1.036 dollars So Jess, do these numbers surprise you on the far right? being the net yield on one million and thirty-six thousand. Yeah, they do coming in uh off the back of the I think the yields that are put out there in terms of your SDA in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. The the net yields once you're starting to take into account some of those additional costs lower than what I thought they would be. A lot of the people in the marketplace, yes, they really are hoping for the twelve to fifteen percent returns, right? Yeah. Now here, I mean, the maximum here is 12.8 gross. 
Yes. On the 900 grand, not the million dollar one. Yet. That's correct. So the maximum net yield here in this 900 grand example, if you do all the upgrades and furniture package and you know fire sprinklers and other variations, is 11.1% gross yield and 8.9% net yield. Max. As you know, in life, yes, you know, when you're investing in something, you should never ever assume the maximum return, the maximum outcome yes. here. The most likely outcome here is probably going to be scenario three or four, yes. Do you want to read out those right. Those figures? For those? So, yeah, so we're looking at for scenario three and four, they're, they're quite similar. Scenario three, you're looking at uh, total. What's the, the this type? Oh, sorry. So scenario three, the participant type, you've got one HPS and one IL participant. You're looking at about 93,000 to shy of 94,000 income, producing, ultimately producing a net yield once you've included all the costs we've talked about, 6.9%. Mm. And scenario... I From a perspective of an investor, you might think, oh, 93 grand... On a 900 grand purchase price, that sounds okay, yeah. 10%. Yeah, true. But the hidden costs have not been calculated yet. So yeah. there's hidden costs. So all those other upgrades and changes and holding costs we mentioned earlier. So that now becomes a 6.9% return, not a 10.4% return. Yep. Yeah, big difference. Moving on. And then scenario four, we're looking at two FA participants, about 92 grand uh, income. And you you would look initially at the, the gross yield as I would have before considering all these additional costs, 10.3%. But in reality, the net yield is 6.8% once we've factored in this. Based upon the $1.036 million. That's correct. So acquisition price. So to our listeners out there, always think about the soft costs. Think about the hidden costs. And by the way, just. These numbers don't include the $50,000 shortfall valuation. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. For anyone to assume a valuation on the dollar from a valuer is, is too presumptuous, I think, in this mm. climate of a declining property market. Mm. Uh, we've got to be very mindful of this. And also, you know, this here, this spreadsheet just assumes a 12-month build time frame, 11-month, I think. Yes. Which isn't, you cannot rely upon that number either. No. If no. you drag that out, another five, six months. The holding costs increase. Yeah, you'll still be on the hook for those until it's yes. yeah. And the P and I repayments after completion, that skyrockets up. Yeah, yeah. So, look, if you're an investor, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your accountant, ask them to do a feasibility on your acquisition wherever you are in in Australia. Uh, talk to the person who's selling you this property. Ask them for a feasibility and a report. I know a lot of people in the past have used the PIA software. The Jane Summers software, which has been around for about 35 or 40 years now, I think. She was a former school teacher who, who was a very um, big property investor and did a, did a software and a book and was very successful in that regard there. But um, people use PIA reports softwares for the traditional property investment process. This whole NDIS thing is a little bit more complicated. You can't really use the PIA software that, that's out there at the moment. We built this ourselves internally here and we've been using it for two and a half years now. One of our big providers, Adapt Housing, came into us about a year ago, a year and a half ago. They were very surprised with our analysis because they said no one else in Australia does this. And I could understand why. It is it is venturing on financial advice when you give this document out. That's why no one wants to do this. But, you know, we feel like we owe it to our investors to see the truth. Mm. Why, why, hide the, why hide this information? Because it's yeah. facts. 
if they're going to spend a million bucks, you should know what the costs are and you should know what the, the, the problems are. Yeah. I had a client ring me up on the weekend. It wasn't our client, but a different client. She needed some help. And she said, look, I bought this house, this robust house in Melbourne, and the, the, the guarantee they got as a head lease, I just didn't like it. And it was really bad. I said, yes, I know, I know the one. And she said, I can only get one tenant for my three-bedroom house and saying 55 grand rent. Mm. If, if, if that, it's really going to be a 40 grand net. So 40 grand net on a $750,000 purchase price is just too, it's just too little. And I said, Do, it's too late now, but you're stuck in it. You, you're in it. You should have known about this in the beginning. And I'm not criticizing her, but it's unfortunate she didn't understand the numbers. Yeah. No one told her. So the purpose of this podcast episode today is to say to you, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, do your numbers, calculate, ask the what-ifs, think about these costs we've mentioned today in today's podcast, apply it to your situation because, you know, I, I think the best advice I would give to anyone, Jess, and, and probably I'm wrong here, Jess, but whatever you think you're going to get, have it. That's pretty accurate. So if you, yeah. In this scenario here, this guy in this sample, right, this is, this is a play around sample here, he would have been thinking 12, 13, 40%. That's, that's what he's thinking. Yeah. On the column A contract price of 900 grand, go to the right-hand side, column D, which is the net yield of the full price and the actual outcome being scenario three, scenario four, that is, that's almost 6.8, 6.9. That's roughly half what the gross yield was. Yeah. So half the 12.8 is really 6.4, which is where we are here. I think, I think if you have invested or are investing in an SDA property anywhere in Australia, whatever amount you think you're going to get, just halve that number. And if you're okay with that number in your mind, then that should be where you end up. Any final words of advice, Jess, to our listeners who have just listened in to today's topic about financial feasibility I, on these numbers? Yeah, I think it's just really echoing that uh, whoever you're engaging with and whatever stage you're at, well, hopefully if you're quite far through the stage of, of the SDA process, someone... It will have provided you with a feasibility study, but if you're even thinking about it or looking to engage anyone to make this kind of investment is ask them for that feasibility study and ask those questions, uh, everything that Min's brought up today in terms of those additional costs, the holding costs, the valuation, shortfall valuation, um, on settlement costs. These are all things that you should be uh, aware of and that well, I would hope the people engaged in this market would make investors aware of. And if you need help, contact Jess in the office here. She'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> she has a soft, soft, soft heart. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked me. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah, uh, guys, listeners, do your homework. Be careful. Ask the questions, whatever those questions are. Ask them twice. Ask for it in writing, okay? You know, Talk to your accountant, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your lender, your broker, talk to your bank manager. They will, you know, they will give you advice to an, to an extent, sorry, and uh, they'll give you the feedback um, because between your agent and your provider and your lender and your lawyer, there's enough people there to give you bits and pieces of advice to help you work out your your strategy to move forward or to walk away. I think that's the key thing there. Mm-hmm. Get second opinion, yeah. But there are changes coming. Changes coming to the design guideline for SDA. Changes are coming to the lending sphere. As we all know, around the world, banks are falling over left, right, and center in America yeah. and Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, nearly. Yeah. Nearly. So watch this space. Even the lending space could impact upon our Australian lending interest rates and the Reserve Bank. 
If we are already at 7% right now, which we are. For yeah, SBA, that's what we're running on. It's only after a year being 2.2% a year ago. Yeah. Where are we going to be in a year from now? I don't know. But I saw a recent article by NAB or Westpac last week and it said that by June 24. So we'll see the interest rates come down lower than what it is. Some people do say it might go even higher. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But again, one positive thing is the NDIS system has legislated that any inflation, is the key word here, inflation numbers occur every year in our economy is reflected in legislation in the NDIS income calculators, yes? So we saw we saw, saw 7% last year, I think, and then we'll probably see another 7% this year. So in the 114 grand number you mentioned earlier as a gross income, again, this is my personal opinion, Jess, not not maybe a guess. This 114,000 we see now will be going up by 7% next month in April. Okay. So 7% of 114 is about 8,500, right? So 114 becomes plus 8.5 is 122,000, right? And then we also will be expecting to see a roughly 15%-ish increase of that number in July. So 15% of 122 is how much? Oh, you're the internal calculator. <laughs> you're the accountant, yes. 18,000. So 18,000 plus 122 is 140. 140, yeah. So remember it takes a year to build this, so a year. Okay. Yes, assuming a year. Yep. So we built, start building today. We're going to see 7% next month increase. Yep. 15% increase in July and... Again, assume seven percent in April twenty four. Four, yeah. So that's seven percent on the hundred and forty. What is seven percent on one forty? Nine thousand eight hundred. So we're looking at one hundred fifty grand. Yeah. So based on today's current numbers, we're at one fourteen. Yes. But if seven percent and fifteen percent and seven percent occurs, as per my forecast, guess guess will be one hundred fifty grand income for this maximum outcome here. That's correct. Yeah, for our scenario one. And why I say I'm confident with this sample example is the fire sprinklers and the variations and the upgrades. When people are living in houses without fire sprinklers, they're going to think, hmm, I wonder if there's any better house to live in rather than this, this average NDS house. Oh, there's no fire sprinklers here. Hmm, maybe I should move. Maybe I should, I should break my lease. Maybe I'll go down the road. And that is where if you future proof your property, for the purposes of NDIS participants for SDA housing, you do it right, the right design, the right inclusions, and the right location, then that is where you'll, you'll win it out. Okay, so again, some of the numbers today have been a little bit maybe over the head of over the, everyone's head. I understand, I'm, I apologize, but this is the one off only episode of Feasibilities and Calculations. Jess and I love numbers, me being an ex financial advisor, and Jess being an ex um, accountant, or maybe still current accountant, I'm not too sure. But uh, we love our numbers and we hope that our podcast episode today gives you a little bit of insight to what you should be thinking, what you should be wary of, and who to turn to when working out whether SDA property investment is for you. Anything else, Jess? I think that's covered everything for feasibility today. Thank you. Can't wait for part two tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. 
Until next time, catch you on the next episode.